This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm a perfectionist at the core. I, I have a controlling nature. And so when I drank, all of that could go away. Uh, you know, where I'm come from, you know, you work and you drink. Um, and the harder you work, the harder you drink. So I was in a doctorate program and ruining my life, but no one would have ever known. Run emergency calls, pulling people out of drunk driving accidents and stop and get a tall can and drink it all the way home. I'm just not going to drink today. I'm just not going to do it today. Dear young married couple, You're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling, And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. In today's episode, we're going to hear one couple's story about how they became saved and sober. You're really in for a rich and raw episode. And whether you think you're dealing with addiction or not, I think you should tune in because uh, this couple is incredible. Before we get into introducing them, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about our retreat coming up. It's an intimacy and adventure retreat in St. George, Utah, March 11th through 13th. And uh, intimacy, there is going to be a workshop, many hours of tools and interaction. Um, it, it's going to be quite a time. And then on the adventure piece, St. George is an amazing place for all things outside and adventure. Mm-hmm. There is um, sand duning and golf, and my wife thinks massages are adventure, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things. Hiking, couples portraits. There you go. Yeah. And our sessions are going to be packed full of exercises, tools to build your intimacy in your marriage. Yeah, that is the goal. So come and join us. As of this recording, there are only a few sessions or spots rather left. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to uh, join us, go to dearyoungmarriedcouple.com forward slash retreat. Yep, and we hope to meet you in person. On to introducing our guests. Today we have the privilege of being with Dr. Denise Wolf and Jake Wolf of Roseville, California. And um, they're incredible. We actually got to meet them at a Saved and Sober meeting um, where we got to speak there and hear a little bit more about them and their ministry. And then it wasn't until today when we recorded this episode that we got to hear the fullness of their story. So you get to hear that today. A little bit about them. Um, Denise is a director of success coaching at William Jessup University. And she holds a doctorate in organizational leadership and change, among several other degrees. 
And then Jake is an emergency manager at California Department of Education and also a paramedic. Um, he or has an education in paramedic as well as the National Emergency Management Academy, um, FEMA. He just has done a lot. And I think most notably together, they founded Saved and Sober, which you'll hear a lot about in today's episode. So listen up. Welcome, Jake and Denise, to the podcast. We're so honored that you're with us today. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we've been able to connect with you a few times over the last year or so, um, and we've been privileged to see you guys in action at Saved and Sober. So um, we are wanting to hear not only how you help others who are in addiction and, um, you know, hurts habits and hang up issues, but also your own story. You guys have a beautiful story that we've never actually heard the fullness of. Right. So we're looking forward to hearing that from you today. Yeah, it's it's really this is a no brainer for us to, you know, to ask you guys to be on just because we've seen um, the success. Yeah. You know, uh, we were we were privileged to be there on um, to we went to a saved and sober meeting. Um, held at your church, and uh, it was so neat to watch people go up there and celebrate their one year sober, mm-hmm. and you know, several people, and just to you know rejoice in that, and and that's a that's a really big accomplishment, and to help guide people there, that's that's another huge accomplishment. Yeah. So uh, we're just Absolutely. excited to talk about addiction and how to help uh, loved ones through and what that process looks like. Yeah. So let's start off with uh, a question. We'll start off uh, with you, Jake, um, for this question. And it's just broad, but people might be listening and they might be going, well, this is not applicable for me because I'm not addicted to anything. How would you define addiction? Well, um, and, you know, addiction can be looked at through different lenses. And so you have one of like uh, faith-based like a faith-based lens. And then you have uh, really the lens of the world. And okay. so the lens of faith-based is really anything that that is coming between you and your relationship with God. Yeah. And so anything that you're putting before them, that could be anything. It could be romance novels. It could be uh, <laughs> alcohol. It could be, right. it could be Instagram. Yep. I mean, you could be addicted to anything. Yeah. Anything that yeah. you put uh, in front of your relationship with God really could be looked at as an addiction um, because in a Christian life, we're looking to get closer to God. Yeah. And if we're getting closer to those uh, habits, hangups and everything else, um, that that in itself is an addiction. Yeah. Then there's a lens of the world and the lens of the world is really uh, anything that's causing uh, physical, uh, emotional um and uh, any type of damage in your relationships uh, because of its existence in, in, in your life. And so mm-hmm. that could be some people are addicted. I mean, you know, this may sound uh, silly, but I mean, I've heard of people being addicted to fishing mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. essentially that coming in between the relationship between the husband and wife. And of course yeah. the, you know, the age old alcohol, Um, You know, that can come in between the relationship of a father and a son or a father and a daughter or a father or a a man and his wife Mm -hmm. um, concentrating on using that as as um, a way to cope with everyday issues 
or even deep-seated issues that that have you know uh, really seeded itself in in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good for you, Denise. When you saw Jake, um, you know, start to deal with addiction in his own life, um, if you could just share a little bit of that story and how it, you were impacted by it in the very beginning. Sure. Yeah. And and I, um, being a recovering alcoholic myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what it's like to struggle, <clears throat> but a part of our story was that we met and we were both in our addiction ah. and then I didn't know we, that about you. I, yeah. I thought you were the spouse in, in the situation. So, both. Yeah. so maybe yeah. we need to go back farther. Maybe just hear the story of yeah. how you became addicted and like maybe what led to that Yeah, and hear from both of you. And then maybe mm-hmm. then how you guys came together and then how mm-hmm you received liberty from that. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's hear both of your stories when you uh, were on your own before you came together. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's a lot there, Okay. <laughs> but to give you the quick, uh, you know, picture of what it was like. Um, so I, for me, I um, re- recognize that I enjoyed drinking alcohol when I was probably in high school, but it didn't really start to become super habitual until I was in college. Okay. Um, and I came from a background. I didn't come from a family that drank. Um, I am adopted. So I did learn later that my biological father is an alcoholic, Okay. but I wasn't around it. So yeah. it wasn't a part of my environment. Um, I also didn't grow up in a, um, Christian environment. I didn't go to church. Um, we didn't read the Bible. I believed in God at that up until a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, I didn't have a relationship with God. Yeah. And so, um, when I graduated from college and my drinking continued, cause in, in the college I went to was a traditional college setting, we partied. And mm-hmm. so it seemed normal, <clears throat> but when I graduated and it kept going, um, it was hard. I, I didn't really recognize there was anything wrong with that, but I look back on it now. And, and, um, that's when my drinking, um, really became problematic. Mm-hmm. And so as the years went on, I went through, um, a quite a few years of just continuing to drink and having difficult things happen in my life, losing relationships, Mm. um, you know, losing, um, you know, treating loved ones, um, poorly, Mm. um, lying, um, losing Mm. my integrity. Um, Mm. and it was, if it wasn't alcohol, it was, you know, spending, I had to do something Mm. to fill the gap. Yeah. And so, but I didn't, and at this point in my life, I refused to recognize God in my oh, life. And so there was that part too, that was, re- that made it even harder. Yeah. There's a few pieces at. you're mentioning that <laughs> align well with the definition of addiction. Yeah. Um, and Jake, you talked about it earlier. So affecting your relationships, mm-hmm. you know, your daily life. And then you also mentioned lying. And yeah. so when there's secrecy there, that's kind of a red flag that addiction yeah. is probably present. What yes. was in, what was important for you? with the drinking? Was it the taste? Was it what it did for you? Like what, what it, was it there that hooked you? It was both. I did enjoy it. Cause I was a wine slash beer drinker. And so it was the taste. And then it was the romanticism of the whole thing. The mm-hmm. atmosphere. I like to go out. I like to be social. It was the whole event. Ah. And I got out of my, I'm, I'm a perfectionist at the core. <laughs> I, mm. I have a controlling nature. And so when I drank, all of that could go away. Wow. And, um, so 
for me, it also was a way to get out of my, my perfect self that I'd created over the, over decades of going through life. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me to relax and be, um, a different person. And, but what happened is that, you know, I did a lot of damage. Um, so what happened eventually is I got to a point after I had kids, um, with my uh, previous husband, I, um, recognized like, I think it's time that I try to stop. And when I, um, and I had a therapist that actually, I, I believe she was recovering alcoholic herself. And she gave me a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, encouraged me to go. And I, it was really hard to hear it. It was like, Oh, I let it get to this point. And mm. cause I thought it was something I could control. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, I, so it was really challenging. And, and my, mm-hmm. my husband at the time, he, um, didn't believe that I was an alcoholic. And so it was difficult because he was in a lot of denial. And so sure. there was, and a that point- probably pushed you to be in denial somewhat too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard when you're trying to like, say, I'm trying to improve my life and change. And, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, he, he could drink normally, but it was a part of our lifestyle. Yeah. You know, we were a very social family. We, um, like to throw parties. And so it was just a part of our, our culture, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. it was difficult. Cause I think he felt like he was losing that partner. Mm-hmm. And so what happened over the years is we, we did a, a geographic move, uh, which happens a lot of times when things aren't going well, <laughs> because mm-hmm. after I had my son, um, my second child, um, the drinking got worse. Okay. And, um, so I had, you know, little bouts of sobriety, um, after I had my daughter, but then when I had my son, I was, he was born sick and that's how I coped. And, mm-hmm. um, my, um, husband at the time was, didn't know how to cope either. And his was avoidance. And so mm-hmm. I was in it by myself. Mm-hmm. And so alcohol helped me just to get, get away from it, wow. um, in an unhealthy way. And so we moved um, to the Sacramento area. And when that happened, then things were really revealed. Um, Mm -hmm. and for the first time I got a decent chunk of sobriety, but I didn't, um, as they talk about in AA, it's important to have a higher power. And that one is God, as you understand him. Well, for me, I refused that. Uh, And I was, so I just didn't want to accept it. And so I tried, what was behind that refusal? What was behind it is that I didn't understand enough about God. And then there was a point in which I would pray to God when I was a teenager and a, a younger kid. And I, it was like a nine one one prayer, like mm-hmm. help me get out of this terrible situation. I don't talk to you on a daily, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to ask you for help right now because I know that you can kind of mm-hmm. like, and so it was, so when I prayed once for something really difficult and it didn't happen the way I wanted it. Yeah. Then I just gave up. Okay. And so, um, which, you know, I, I regret completely, but you know, it, it led me to the path and the story I have. Yes. And so what happened is that trying to go through sobriety without God in my life was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is I didn't have the alcohol, but I had all the control come racing back and, and I, I was, not a very nice wife or a mom. And Mm. I controlled everything in my household and um, my marriage ended up falling apart Mm. and I went back to alcohol. So I went through a really rough time for about a year. Um, I met Jake during that time in which I was still drinking, but I was, I knew I shouldn't be, Mm. um, because I knew what sobriety was. I knew I was an alcoholic. Mm. Um, and it was really difficult. I did a lot of damage in my life. Um, mm-hmm. 
I had some serious consequences mm. and all while I, I've always called myself a functioning alcoholic because I've always been able to get through school and keep my job. And on the outside looks like I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. And those are the worst kind because mm. no one recognizes you need help. Yeah. You have to tell them. And so you have to humble yourself to be like, I need help. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a doctorate program and ruining my life, but no mm. one would have ever known. Wow. You know, so yeah, people anyway, listen so. into that. That's key. That's <laughs> I, I see so many clients who don't call themselves an alcoholic because they're functioning well, because their life isn't falling apart on the outside. Right. Correct. They're not destitute. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It and doesn't it doesn't look them. like what we see. It yeah. doesn't look like what the world wants us to see it as. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like me. It looks like anyone, you know, and I, like I said, I, I managed to keep it together. I mean, I'm sure there was a point where it, I wouldn't have been able to any longer, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, I, who knows, but you would have never known, you know, uh, what mm-hmm. I went through in those three years of my doctorate program mm-hmm. or to go back and tell my classmates. But, um, so, you know, when I met Jake, he told me about, I knew I was like, we were, I knew we both drank. He told me about his relationship with God. And he's like, I believe in God and I go to church and I'm like, good for you. And, um, (laughs) I, so that I knew that was, was going to either be, that was going to be something that was going to come to a head, both our drinking Mm -hmm. and our difference in faith. And Mm -hmm. so what happened was that, um, luckily both worked out (laughs) (laughs) Um, relationship and God. Exactly. (laughs) And so what happened, we were probably together for like four months. And I finally started going to ministry work with him to feed the homeless. I went to his recovery group, um, with him and, um, which was the beginning of, um, the grandparents, so to speak to saved and sober. Uh And, um, I was like, this isn't so bad. You know, this is kind of cool. And so then I went (laughs) to church. I had another serious consequence happen in, in regard to my drinking, And I was like, man, this is, this is no joke. I I've got to do something to change my life. And I was in service and I'd been going to church with him, like maybe three times, four times. And I just found myself walking up to the altar. And, um, from that moment, I didn't drink again. And I, Mm. I see it as, as really renewing and restoring a relationship with God and and be starting (sighs) it, starting it from new, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, so it was um, a real turning point for me. And I'm grateful that I had that we call the spiritual experience where you're relieved of that obsession to drink. Mm. Because for me, it would be so strong that I drive by the store. And before I knew it, I would be at home with two bottles of wine. And I'm like, what happened? Uh, you know, it's that like insane thought that insane pull that it brings, yeah. you know? And mm. so that's where I was, where I just thought I, I was ready to give up, but wow. God was able to take that from me. And no one can explain why he does it in some and other and not in others. But mm-hmm. if we don't ask or try, we won't know if it'll happen for us. Yeah, um, that's good. So I'm just grateful it happened for me. And mm-hmm. but then the way that I see it is that it wasn't like, okay, I'm great. <laughs> it's good. Uh-huh. You know, I don't have to do anything to change myself or better myself. And it's actually the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And what happened is then I realized, okay, well, what do I know? I know to go to AA. I know I better keep coming to church in this recovery group. I have a therapist, so I'm going to go see, keep seeing her. So I had my things. And, and for me, it's like the three legs of my stool and my sobriety that I have to keep doing. And I still do to this day. Yeah, that's so, good. And which so, is AA church and therapy. Nice. <laughs> Just to slow nice. that down because I yeah. think you, 
And there's so many points I'd just like to hit. <laughs> yes. But uh, I've heard both stories, right? God takes the desire and then God doesn't take the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, for people like you, I think it'd be easier for, you know, give God the victory. And why are you going to AA programs? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, that's yeah. dumb. Why are you wasting <laughs> your time? Like for those people, is that important? You're, you know, I mean, I would just thinking about what you said, you know, the reason why you drank was to cope, mm-hmm. right? So did you work on that critical voice that, or perfectionist mm-hmm. person inside or you know, part inside mm-hmm. of you to help keep that change? Or like talk, talk me through that. Like a person like you, why is it important to continue that? Mm-hmm. Um, the recovery. Yeah, the recovery. Right. We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Because I saw it as it was just the beginning and that God gave me the opportunity to start fresh by releasing my mental obsession with this coping um, substance. Mm -hmm. And so, but then the way that I saw it, and, and I don't really can't tell you why I recognize that that was what I should do, but, um, that then I, I had work to do to figure out what was going on inside of me, how I could cope with the control and perfectionist personality that I've always had. And only really only God can help guide me through that. But what the, what a program like AA does is really biblical principles and God is woven throughout it, mm-hmm. whether people recognize that or not. Yeah. And that's what we talk a lot about at saved and sober. And so what I through the, the 12 steps that it follows, I was able to go through and learn more about myself. I was able to clean up damage that I've done and, um, allow myself to forgive and then be forgiven mm. and to learn how to do that in a continuous fashion throughout my life. Yeah. Um, so that that way each day I can say, okay, what, what should I do differently? <laughs> what went wrong? What can I do better? You know, and, and what can I celebrate today? And who do I need to make an amends to who, mm-hmm. who do I need to reach out to, to make this better? And, and really, um, there are principles that, that with NAA and the steps that I think everyone should do. Cause it yeah. helps. It I was going to say that just sounds like good relationship yeah. advice and practice. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of folks don't know, realize that. And mm-hmm. so that's why what we're doing with Saved and Sober is such a whole um, church family mm-hmm. program. And it is benefit. Yes. Like when we've gone to Saved and Sober at your church, like it's not just quote unquote addicts there. Like it's a whole church family program. It's fun too, because it's not like a shame filled like, Oh, why are you, why are you here? Right. What's, what's wrong with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like a, Hey, we're all getting together because we're all on this journey together trying to get better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where when saved and sober, the thing that's made it successful and the thing that makes it different Mm -hmm. is the approach, um, to recovery. And so we take a, we take a concept called whole community recovery, and it's kind of a new concept. And what that means is that addiction, uh, and alcoholism and, and really, um, any, any form of, uh, mental issues, um, that, that, that affects Mm. the entire community. It's not just one person. It's just not the individual, so there's a healing process that has to take place amongst mm-hmm. the entire community and yes. the entire church body um, from children, you know, from the young children all the way up to um, the pastor yeah. and everybody in between. I mean, everybody's got to mm-hmm. recover together and it's got to be uh, a full investment. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand, like my pastor says, he talks about the recovery language that he's had to learn mm-hmm. in, in this process of, of having, of growing and developing saved mm-hmm. and sober. It's understanding that process. And like you had said, Adam, which is shame Yeah. and shame is, can either be your uh, biggest hinder or it can be an amazing yeah. tool. Um, shame is a, when it's used in the right way is a wonderful thing. Hmm. Uh, when it's used in the wrong, wrong way, it's, it's, it's a, it's a horrible thing, yeah. right? It's something that uh, there's two types of shame. There's destructive shame. And then there's proactive shame hmm. and destructive shame is a type of shame that you engage into um, destructive activity and um, you have destructive emotion behind that. So therefore you kind of end in this endless cycle of right. um, making bad decisions, you know, receiving consequences, feeling shame. Right. Mm-hmm. It's reactive. And, yeah. And so you're in this cycle now of mm-hmm. continuous destructive shame until you eventually hit a consequence. That's a barrier uh, that's so binding that you can't pass it, whether it's mm. uh, institutions, um, you know, hospitals, jail, or even death in some some circumstances, or proactive mm-hmm. shame, which is the opposite. Which is, um, if I were to go to saved and sober, and I and I were to raise my hand and I were to say I relapsed, you're going to get a hand clap. You're not going to get, mm-hmm. you're not going to get people staring at you like, oh man, this guy's messed up. No, mm-hmm. it's going to be received warmly because, you know, it still works. It's still working. Yeah. You know, that's, we celebrate that the gospel still works. Well, they're being transparent and they're being open with their community. And that's what you're celebrating. Exactly. Yeah. We're on the path to healing. It's not the relapse, but the fact that they're saying that out loud and admitting that to themselves of like, we have to be able to, to admit our wrong in order to change our wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I We've always said that distinction there is the difference between shame, which was the first one, you destructive shame, right? But then that second one, we've always just called that guilt, right? So like mm-hmm. when we're saying what we did, we feel, we feel shame for who we are, but we feel guilt for what we've done. And that's a healthy thing that leads us to repentance, repentance mm-hmm. confession, right? And the community. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That's I like the so distinction. Good. Did you have a lot of shame um, in your journey? Jake? Um, yeah. yeah Tell absolutely. us a little bit about that. Um, or, 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 <laughs> yeah. or Tell us about your lack of yeah. shame. So my, <laughs> yeah. So, so of course, you know, my, my wife, you know, everybody's uh-huh. story, story's different and, and it's good. I'm glad that we're doing this because you, it, you get to understand somebody mm-hmm. once you understand their story. Um, and that was just an important part of recovery is yes. understanding somebody's story. 
um, mm-hmm. so you can understand how to help them. Um, and so my story, um, I, I grew up in a, um, a household where, you know, my parents allowed us to go to church when, when we wanted to go to church and, and, you know, up until the age of 12 and they decided, you know, you can figure it out on your own. If you want to go, you can go. And of course me being a teenager on Sunday mornings, <laughs> sleeping in and, uh, cartoons <laughs> sounded amazing. So I took advantage of that. Um, and of course in my teen years, I led into, you know, at an early age, 15, 14, 15 years old, I started smoking weed, um, started drinking, mm-hmm. you know, with friends and, and, and doing it for fun as you know, quote unquote. And eventually that led into my teenage years ending. And then me, um, having, you know, making some, um, difficult decisions when I was a young man and had uh, mm-hmm. kids at an early age. Um, and so, uh, you know, had to grow up quick and, and, uh, you know, where I'm come from, you know, you uh, work and you drink, um, and the harder you work, the harder you drink. And that's kind of like, you know, it's, that's, wow. that's the process. And so I would work hard and I would drink hard. And, uh, and eventually that led to some consequences throughout my life. And, um, you know, I, I was in a toxic relationship with somebody that, you know, and by, and by toxic, you know, there's two sides to every story. And and if anybody's out there listening to this podcast and wondering like, you know, what's going on in my situation, you know, what's the chicken and the egg here, you know, like, is it, is it the drinking or is it the relationship? Um, You know, it's, it's good to meet with somebody who is a professional to help you dive Hmm. into that a little deeper. And um, you know, I took, took me, years of, of drinking and, you know, working on an ambulance and I worked on an ambulance for about a decade. And I would, my, my alcoholism was so ridiculous that I would go run emergency calls, pulling people out of drunk driving accidents and stop and get a tall can mm. and drink it all the way home. I mean, that's wow. how messed up, mm. how messed up I was, you know? Um, and, uh, and so that mal adaptive behavior, that malady, um, that mental and, and, uh, spiritual malady that I had, um, went out to me ending up in a place where, where I was pretty hopeless and I was living in a dingy apartment, you know, with no power and just, you know, no car. Um, you know, it was just a really horrible situation. Hadn't seen my kids for six months. So I, I, that I found myself at that rock bottom place and, and I decided that I needed to do something. So I started going to church. Um, and, uh, I remember going in on April, I had gotten in a car accident. I lost, you know, I lost my job. I was going through a divorce. I hadn't seen my kids for six months. Uh-huh. I, 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 you know, got in a head on collision and, and my dad died all within like a, like oh, a couple months goodness. time period. And so I was really at a, at a yeah. pretty hard bottom. And, um, and I still didn't mm. quit drinking. I still, I would go to church. So I started going to church cause I thought, Hey, that'll help, you know? And, uh, so I was the guy in the, um, services that would come to church mm. hungover. Um, and I would, I would still praise and I would still worship, but I'd do it Mm, hungover. And, um, I still came, you know, hoping that something would change. Uh, and it's just out of sheer, just needing to change and, and pushing through and and continuing to go to church, regardless of my circumstances, regardless, trying to seek after the Lord. Um, you know, eventually, um, I got to a place where I could, you know, start to work Mm. with God on uh, my sobriety. And that's what led me to. Okay. Okay. I left, I I had met my uh, wife here and we started going to, um, I brought her, I was starting to go out and feed the homeless because 
you know, that's why not? awesome. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I, I didn't, and you know, it's funny because back when I was doing it, you know, I kind of started out selfishly, like, you know, like, you know, like, Hey, you know, what am, what am I going to get out of this feeding the homeless? You know, <laughs> got to get something out of this, you know, <laughs> and, because that's how I think, you know, that's my, that's, that's Maybe my like a free sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah. And I did, I got free sandwiches <laughs> which was part of the deal. So I, I, I would go and I would feed the homeless and I, you know, I really enjoyed that and I enjoyed the service aspect and I found a, a love with service. Um, and then I got into, started doing this recovery rocks thing and, and bringing Denise along mm. with me. And, and that's where she entered she, the story for uh, you. And that's where she entered the story. And then she found, she found God. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I kept drinking, even though I knew God, mm. even though I, I knew the situation and, and I was in um, the church wow. and I was in, um, you know, even at one point in, in ministry, okay. yeah. you know, and I, I was, I was still drinking hmm. um, and I struggled for a long time with it. Yeah. It wasn't a um, burning bush moment as we call it in the Okay. It was a, it was what we call the educational variety. Talk right? about the it's, difference was, between the burning bush and the educational variety. So the burning bush is, is like Denise's situation where she went up to the altar, asked God to remove this obsession. And just like that, he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, the educational variety is where it takes time. You have to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that, that others are long, others are aware of the changes long before. Uh, the newcomer is. Okay. And um, so things started changing for me over a period of time. And eventually um, I stopped Wow. and um, really, and I was struggling with other things too. I, I struggled with bulimia for a long period of time. Okay. And um, I actually went into, um, I actually went into get baptized. And when I got baptized, that, that, that cleared everything. Wow. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was like a, hitting the reset button. That's neat. That's neat. Wow. So I want to rewind back to my first question to you, Denise, now that we've heard both of your stories and in light of the fact that you, you were both dealing with this, um, in different ways, um, you know, had your own story of, uh, alcoholism and recovery and recovery in progress. Um, (laughs) since you did have that burning bush moment and then Jake continued to drink while you guys were, you know, putting efforts out there. How was that as a spouse in that position while you saw him continue to drink? Um, even, you know, knowing that you had, you knew what it was like, you know, but you weren't drinking anymore. Talk to us about your experience there. Yes, it, it was difficult in, partially because, and Jake is, um, we share this openly. So I feel like I have permission to, to share some of his story, but, um, which is important when you have a couple that both has their own story. Um, but I, what was hard is that he hid it from me. Mm. And so in starting a new relationship, we, you know, it at the very beginning, there was, um, dishonesty. Mm. And, um, so I would ask him, I'd have to, um, you know, it, I would smell the alcohol mm-hmm. and, and I would ask him about it. And, you know, he would, sometimes he would be just, he would, oh yeah, I, I drank or, but sometimes it, he wouldn't tell me the truth. And so that was really hard. Sure. And so then I was like, well, just ask God to take it from you. That's what happened to me. So I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I kept trying to, to force on him what my experience Okay, and trying to light the bush. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, okay, well, let me pray for you. And so, 
you know, and so I would pray for him and, and it just, it, it wasn't working like that because that wasn't meant to be Jake's path, but I didn't know that was all I knew to do. Mm-hmm. And w- which is his theme is was to pray. And, um, so even though he was being dishonest to me, I had to try and trust him and show him. And as a, whether you're recovering alcoholics, whether you're both in recovery or not, mm-hmm. it's important to not try not to get angry. Mm. So I told him, I'm like, I'm never going to get angry at you, but I want you to be honest with me. So I know what's going on. What, what, you know, Denise, what emotion did you try to put on? When he, when he, when you found something or saw something that, or he confessed something, something. yeah, Yeah. I'm sure there was, I, I would hope it would be one of support and love, but I'm sure there was some disappointment Mm -hmm. layered in there, Mm -hmm. um, and some hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would always try to, and this was early in our relationship too. So I would always try to like, I, I love you and support you. And I get it because it's, I've been there, but I'm also hurt and disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really ever, I was able to not really, and and anger isn't something I I deal with a lot, but I was able to not really get angry about it, Mm. but it was more the emotion of disappointment. And what Um, advantage is that to the couple? So the person listening right now that says, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to try to just funnel my emotions into hurt and disappointment and not anger. What advantage is that to the couple in, in the recovery journey? Because the one that's still in their addiction is going to resent that anger and they're going, it's going to send them the other way. Mm. And so maybe not all the time that may not happen in every case, but it also, and it's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult. Um, you know, and, and for some, maybe that would work, but I think I felt like if I were to show that no, and, and especially in my case, understanding the struggle, mm-hmm. um, that that wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't be self-righteous and sit over here with a month's sobriety mm-hmm. saying, why can't you do this? Okay. You know, I have to understand where he, he's coming from and not get upset at him about it. Yeah. But what I would get upset about is the other behaviors you know, like being dishonest sure. or hiding things, you know, those pieces were in a way more upsetting sure. sometimes than yeah. the actual act. Yeah. Um, so how did you deal with that? Yeah. Like it, practically speaking, can you give us kind of like a, like a conversation rundown yeah. of like, I would say this if he said this and I would respond this way. <laughs> oh boy. I've tried to <laughs> put it far from my mind, mm. but, um, I would say that, uh, you know, if we had an instance in where he, um, revealed that he'd been drinking or, you know, I like in the instance that I, I would smell it on his breath, I would ask him if he was drinking, Oh, it was an energy drink. <laughs> okay. It's a very weird smelling energy. drink. And then, and then I'd ask him another time or two. Cause it, man, it just wasn't going away. Yeah. I still smell it. And, um, I was like, you can be honest with me. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm not going to get upset. Yeah. I just, it's important for me to know you know, mm-hmm. and, and I also, it, it came into play too. Like, you know, if you're going to drive the kids, sure. like, you know, yeah. it, there is some safety factors here. Yep. <clears throat> and I said, I just want to help, you know, I want to help pray for you. I want to help you have what I'm starting to learn that I have, mm-hmm. you know, that what, what in sobriety. Yeah. And so that's kind of what a conversation would look like. Um, I'm sure there's times yeah. where, 
was a little bit more irritated. Sure. And, but um, that kind of invitation, was- probably, Jake, did that bring your walls down a bit when she would say, like, it's important for me to know and I'm not going to get angry yeah, at I was, you? I was going to ask what what helped, you know, in, in your situation, what helped? Mm, yeah, and that, that's a great question. Um, but I, I think this is a good place to kind of point out what I what I feel is the difference between shame and guilt. Mm. And, um, you know, guilt is something that we feel when we're not, we're not fearing, uh, adverse reactions to something that we did. Ah. Uh, shame is more likely is, is more that you fear whatever consequences that you're going to receive. That's um, good. Yeah. And so shame for me in that moment. And the reason why I lied was because number one, I had a lot of character defects running at the same time in order to make room for alcohol in my life. I mm. had to cut off some pretty important pieces inside of myself in order to make room for that. Mm. Um, well and, and um, I, also I was afraid of what was going to happen. Mm. Um, if that, that word, if she were to find out, you know, I'm, are you going to leave me? Yeah. You know, am I going to be alone? Am I going mm-hmm. to end up like this homeless man over here? Um, and that's why that's part of why I always cared for the homeless so much because I, I, I was, I knew I was a few mistakes away from being one. I still am today. Mm. I mean, everybody's a few you know, bad decisions away from ending up in a, in a cardboard box somewhere. Sure. You yeah. Know? So, um, yes. you know, and just kind of realizing the, what, what was on the table at the time, because I really truly deeply valued our relationship. But, um, at the time, you know, there's when somebody is an alcoholic or an addict, or, or is making terrible decisions like that. They've, they've had to, they've had to let some really important pieces fall off the plate in order to make room for that, that addiction in their life. Mm -hmm. And, um, then there's, there's a, also a scientific piece to it. Like, um, like dope, like addiction, like having the dopamine response, right. Mm -hmm. The dopaminergic response of constantly pumping that, that dopamine into your system. And then, um, you know, you don't want to, it's not that I, I couldn't quit drinking. It's just, I, I needed the way it made me feel is mm-hmm. what I, what I needed. Right. Mm-hmm. I needed that feeling. So. Um, and I don't have any scientific proof of this, but I, I feel like God made those dopamine, those dopamine areas for him mm-hmm. specifically to communicate with us, to give us joy and love and peace. And then we use these artificial, um, pieces to stimulate mm-hmm. that that dopamine instead of allowing yes. god to be the one that does that so that yeah. we can, oh, play our own god if you will that's <laughs> so good there's actually a whole book on that concept but it's it has to do with food and it's called made to crave by lisa mm. turkhurst and it's exactly what you just said and there is some scientific backing there well there you go yes <laughs> what shifted for you jake uh, in the, what were those steps that you took that you, maybe those tangible steps where you saw mm-hmm. this shifted and I felt this way, this shifted and I felt this way to kind of get, lead you out of that addiction. An educational variety approach. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <clears throat> yeah. Well, first I had to admit that I was powerless and my life was unmanageable. So I had to make a determination that I was doing a poor job managing my own life. Mm. Uh, and that was pretty apparent because there was consequences in the way I was making my wife feel and um, consequences. And, in, in, you know, uh, at one point, you know, my, my kids being taken away from me again and mm. um, because I was making some poor decisions. And then I had to 
um, come to believe in a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. Um, and so really coming to believe that there is a power, right? Capital P greater than myself. So it's got to be b- greater than me that yep. can restore me to sanity. That's a problem. A lot of people have issues with the me part, right? Mm. Can, can he restore me to sanity? Because I'll tell you what, I have lied to the woman I love mm. more than many times. So there's some, there's that destructive shame in the way between me and that higher power. Mm-hmm. And then I had to cut, then I had to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. And um, a lot of people get afraid of that, that understand him part. Cause they think, you know, you can, you get to pick who God is, but notice it in the way that, that it's worded that you're that the way that you understand him, not a God of my understanding, not saying plucking some God out of the air. God's there. He's a rock. He ain't moving. And uh, <laughs> you can either get on him or you can get off him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so it's God as you understand him. And Mm -hmm. that's so important for somebody early in recovery is that I had to find him where I could find him. Yeah. And I I had to understand him how I can understand him. Uh, How did you embrace those concepts daily? um, Well, uh, there's a term that we use in, in, uh, in recovery called one day at a time. Uh, And that means that uh, I'm just not going to drink today. I'm just not going to do it today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't worry about tomorrow. And there's biblical scripture to back that up. Yep. You know, the birds of the air fly around and they don't store up food for the winter yet. They eat, uh, you know, we, you know, I, I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Give us I this day our daily bread. bread. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, and so, so living that di- living day by day. Uh, and I've heard it said in meetings many times that, you know, um, people that relapse, they say that um, I had too many years and not enough days. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. That is good. Wow. Um, so Denise, kind of coming back to where you were um, as he's going through the steps, I hear you kind of, uh, I hear the language there. You know, you're you're saying what did it for you? What were what was the educational variety? And you're you're saying, well, first I had to admit, and then I had to, you know. So you're going through the steps. Did you start seeing a glimmer of hope when you saw him progressing through the steps? I did. Yeah. And, and he was working, he had a sponsor, which is a practice that happens in AA. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt like he was a good, strong sponsor for him, for Jake. And, um, so I, I definitely, um, saw progress there and he had the, I could tell he was truly sober, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, so it was, um, you know, there was a setback along the path and that I think was like a, a bottom for Jake and I in, in his recovery, um, in which he, um, I learned he'd relapsed and, um, and that I was kept from me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he came back to his recovery after that relapse, then I feel like he finally was like, okay, I think it was a humility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm being honest and that I saw in him that really made the difference, um, and being able to realize that he didn't have to have it all together. He didn't have to have all the answers that if he just, that it really had to come from his heart too, and that he didn't have to know it all up here, um, Mm. that it would come. And so after that moment of that, that relapse that happened, um, then, then it was like a new path could be paved Mm -hmm. and, um, he kept working with a sponsor and, 
and dove more into AA and things like that. Wow. So, so it was really pivotal for us. Yeah. Um, even though it was really painful at the time, it was, it was really pivotal. Yeah, um, absolutely. And how powerful too, that you have all of these stories yeah. that now it's, you can relate to all the people that you're helping. It's, right. It's really incredible. Yeah. Right. When did Saved and Sober yeah, become say. a thing? I heard you had a, a grandparent uh, approach before before the Saved and Sober came out. Talk to us about that timeline and how it came about. Okay, we'll hop in whenever you feel like mm -hmm. you want to say anything about it. But but yes, yeah, so we were ready. We were leading a recovery groups that was similar from another church. And when the COVID stuff began to, to happen a couple of years ago, um, things changed and we were um, no longer under that church and that ministry, but we wanted to keep running a, a, sub, a recovery sobriety ministry. And so, um, because we just felt, we saw this need, we just felt um, that we had this burden to keep doing it. Yeah. And so, um, I, I had, um, like six months earlier, I had told Jake, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if, if we made shirts that said saved and sober or something. Like that. Nice. And so God gave us that idea. So it was a shirt like months, idea months before, before it was an actual program. Yeah. Okay. And then, and it had a different name. So he it was the name, you know, that he gave us. And I was like, we don't need a name, but we could put it on a shirt, you know, and then lo and behold, we needed a name. Mm. And so, you know, Jake, um, you know, through prayer and, uh, seeking God's will in it, um, God led him right to some scripture that really showed us that we, you know, can't look back and we just have to move forward. And so we started doing saved and sober as it, as it emerged, um, online and, um, had some great success. Oh, that's awesome. So it started um, online, but, like during the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know yes, that. Technically. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So we were able to, mm -hmm. yeah. So we were able okay. to bring in some cool speakers from around the country. And, nice. Um, so it was, it was great that we were able to stay tied into that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't know what happened if we couldn't have, yeah. you know, like it really was a pivotal part of getting through that time in COVID too. Yeah. You know, when, when we really, there wasn't much that people could go to. And so Saved uh, and Sober is a group of people um, that that are going through actively steps for recovery. Is that? And the community, right? And the community, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just. I think a, a good way to say it is that it, it's really just a recovery minded program that, mm. that brings the community together around recovery. And, and for mm -hmm. those of the folks out there that that go to church and are in church it it really involves the church closely. that's awesome that's amazing yes. so it's a curriculum that you guys have developed and i've seen the i've seen it it's very well put together which yes. speaks i know to both your your education mm -hmm. um, your, experience, your experience your education but this is a something that you i, I went to our church and the it was adopted and, yeah. and so this is something that can be implemented in a church and you've seen probably how, I mean how many people come through the doors and their lives change I mean this is a pretty big program right yeah it's a it's a pretty decent sized program and we have we do have um four locations now one our the original one in Roseville that we uh are at the um the one in Oakland at Oakland Tabernacle, um, which just started recently up in nice. Wenatchee, Washington, 
at mm-hmm. somebody you might know's church. Yeah. <laughs> My dad's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then of course, um, and it's starting here uh, back again here pretty soon uh, down in Elk Grove. And mm-hmm. so this program is growing because not because of anything that we're doing, but because of what God's done. Mm. Um, and yeah. you know, he, he's decided to use this as a vessel, uh, with me and my wife, just kind of learning to get out of the way of him. So um, cool. And he's doing amazing stuff and people are coming in and getting, getting sober. And I mean, sober is just where it starts. I yeah. mean, it goes into yeah. creating a relationship with God and, mm-hmm. you know, on the church, on the sign outside of our church, um, where pastor Anthony Pizarro is, is the executive pastor of saved and sober. Um, it says on our sign on the outside, a place of radical transformation. Mm. And, um, that just speaks to the relationship that this program has with the church. And my pastor preaches over the pulpit about recovery. Mm. And I love that. such an important piece because like he says often, and like pastor young, uh, says often you, whatever you preach over the pulpit is what you get. Yeah. And if yeah. you're preaching recovery, you're going to get recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, my pastor does a great job of preaching uh, recovery in our church. That's and we really had, good. you know, for a perfect example, we had a sister in the church. He handed her the, you know, he had felt moved in the spirit, handed her the microphone the other day. And, you know, her message to the congregation was that, uh, you know, I'm struggling, pray for me. And mm-hmm. that vulnerability that that it gets inserted into the church through this program and everybody Um, started clapping right yes everybody we we all everybody circle all the women circled up around her and prayed for that's awesome that's amazing that um vulnerability that you get in the church brings us closer together and everybody's seeking revival and that's where that's where it comes yeah it's like confessing those faults one to another that we Mm -hmm. tend to avoid yeah Mm-hmm. But I, I have an example of that when you when I was honored to come there and, and speak with my wife on uh, pornography addiction, mm-hmm. um, which people want to disagree that it's an addiction, but we could share very well in science why it's an addiction. But uh, we were spoke that and, and right after we finished, several people came up and were like, so, you know, I'm struggling with this. And yeah, very vulnerable right into it and being vulnerable, which is not something you tend to see in a congregation mm-hmm. what we tend to do is want to hide it and tr- and lie to ourselves that i'm going to do this by myself mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll share my testimony with other people once i've beat beaten this mm-hmm. by myself yeah but that's as, not there well no yeah this is it, there's so much liberty when you can join arms with men and women around you and say like this is you're stuck in life right now, but we've done it or we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Join us. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You you could do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's it's, that is so, that's the message that I got there. And that was yeah such a standout thing. I love that. The culture of transparency and vulnerability that you guys have built through saved and sober and then partnering with your pastor. And he brings that into mm-hmm. the regular, you know, yeah. the general culture of the church. It's beautiful. And brother Prezaro is, is very, uh, he he's he's vulnerable and 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 preaches it straight. And, yeah, <laughs> but it's very open arms to to all of that. So yeah, yeah. I love it. So Respect good for him. Um, could you speak, Denise, a little bit about the curriculum? Um, you know that's available. You guys mentioned before we started recording that folks can grab it uh, for free from you guys. Talk about the curriculum and like what it covers, how long it is. 
Well, at this stage, we're um, we started at the beginning calling it a um, facilitator's manual, okay. and um, so because we really let God guide what we're going to do, uh, we try not to make it very structured. There's a lot of other programs out there that are very structured. Like today, we're going through this step, uh. or we're going through this concept, and and we do that to an extent, but. We also take a look at who's there that day. And if we're like, okay, we need to sh- switch this up, then we will. Ah, okay. Um, it's not like you can only join every 12 weeks because we have to get you through the full curriculum. So right now what we have available is to help somebody else be able to facilitate the same type of group. Mm-hmm. However, where that's one of our goals for this upcoming year is to create a more of a toolbox that would help others to have different pieces to to be successful in, in running a saved and sober. So what some different topic ideas okay. or speaker ideas or activities that you could do mm-hmm. that would help to get people to engage. Nice. Um, so that's why we haven't really gone the full curriculum route okay. yet. Um, but that's just where we're at today. Nice. So as far as the facilitators manual, that's certainly something that folks can reach out to us and we will connect with our pastor um, and, and, and see about getting it to them if they're interested mm-hmm. in it in their own their own okay yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and so people can you talk a little bit jake about you know they can just get the manual from you guys and or they might be able to work with you guys to set something up in their online right yeah talk to us about the options yeah definitely and and i i appreciate you bringing this up and and the um like the manual that we're talking about it's important to recognize that not only um geographically but i mean just socially and just the the general makeup of a community is different when anywhere mm. you go. Of course. And so trying to yeah. implement a rigid um, structured program and, and trying to plug that in everywhere is you're going to be met with resistance and, mm-hmm. and it's less likely to be successful. The manual that we've developed is flexible and scalable, which means that nice. it can be used in uh, any facets. And we just kind of lay down um, uh, a, a set of uh, rules in order to help let it function kind of like almost like a constitution, if you will, Nice, you know, it's uh, rather than telling, you know, like in federalism, telling the states what they can and cannot do. It says that here's a basic list of of instructions to follow um, that, you know, some really important do's and do nots um, that, that we put in there. And then, and like my wife is saying, putting in that, those tools in order to help facilitate that process as you go. Great. And um, we have everything from, we have Facebook. You can find us at, at um, Saved and Sober Ministry. Um, you can find us on Instagram, saved underscore sober. Uh, you can find us on, we have a YouTube uh, page now with about 30 hours uh, worth of content. And I'm nice. sure that's going to grow as I get time to put more videos on there. Okay. Um, you can watch on Mondays. Uh, you can watch Saved and Sober Roseville. We we stream most Mondays unless it's a something where somebody's sharing and what we time? Need to practice anonymity. It's every Monday at seven p.m. P- okay. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Pacific and that's time. um on Saved and Sober Roseville Instagram. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah, okay? That that'll Facebook. be on the Facebook page. Facebook, Facebook okay. And of course, you you can always go to our website, which is www.savedandsober.com. And um, we have uh, information on there that's available, and our uh, our email address is on there uh, to message us, and that's info at savedandsober.com. Okay. And uh, if you anybody has any questions, we'd be more than willing to try to help you um, find resources in your area, um, connect you with um, 
you know, either, either a recovery program or church in the area, or if you're interested in actually having saved and sober at your church, um, then let us know. And then we can start that process too. It's not, we don't charge anything for it. We're not in this to make any money. This was freely given to us. And the 12 step of Alcoholics Anonymous is that we need to carry the message to other alcoholics still suffering and practice Mm -hmm. these principles in all of our affairs. Mm -hmm. And so as part of our, me and Denise's 12 step, it's carrying the message forward. That's beautiful. This is how we do it. And, you know, I'm, I was such a messed up alcoholic that God knew he, in order to keep me sober, he had to give me a recovery program. And so (laughs) I tell you, it's a lot of work, but it's, it keeps me sober. So that's um, good. That's good. And watching the, watching all this, this tree Mm. blossom yeah. is probably so and grow new branches how, and, how yeah. beautiful this is i mean what an incredible ministry that's going so yes so well and look guys this is a free program that they're putting tons of time and expertise and these are mm-hmm. amazing people so yes if you want to get something that's really truly does make a difference in the community which will make a difference in your church as well Mm-hmm. reach out this definitely is, this is awesome. we recommend it so good um we want to close out by well first asking any other resources that you would recommend aside from or comments <laughs> yeah aside from the the contact information that you've given about your own resources any recommended materials yeah i, I would recommend certainly um you if if you are struggling currently with alcoholic drugs uh, find a program near you, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Food Eaters Anonymous, Gamblers mm-hmm. Anonymous. I mean, it's, it's all out there. Yep. And if you can't find a meeting, you're not looking there. It's literally every <laughs> corner of the, gro- the globe at almost every single time of the day. Yep. You can find a meeting. Um, nice. So that's one big thing. And you then just also, took away all the excuses just now. You sure yeah. did. <laughs> well, well, believe me, if somebody's an alcoholic, they're not looking for excuses to get sober. They're looking for excuses to drink. Yeah. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and and that that's okay. Um, but there's uh, there are resources out there. Look locally in your community. You can just Google your county's name and um, substance abuse. Okay. Those words. So. Yep county and then substance abuse. And then, um, the, uh, substance, the federal substance abuse organization, SAMSHA or Sam, Sam SHA anyway. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah. They have a, a website and there's plenty, like, there's recovery programs. There's, um, information on their website. Um, and I seriously recommend, you know, starting anywhere you can, if you're a family member, don't give up hope, and babe, I'm sure you probably got some things to add to that. Yes, yes. I, there is um, a program called Al-Anon mm-hmm. that is like AA, but for family members yes. and for um, there's Alateen for teenagers that have parents or family members that are struggling. So um, I highly recommend that mm-hmm. uh, because you're not, you need your own, when you're trying to support a family member or a spouse that's in addiction, you need your own support community. Yes, And so those are free resources. So I would highly recommend it seeking that out so good. if you're struggling to support a loved one. Yep. Um, and don't do it alone. Just, just like the addict, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Cause that will break um, you down mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah. So good. thank you for that and resource. It, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, we're going to close out this episode by asking you the question that we ask all of our interviewees. And that is uh, fill in the blank, dear young married couple, with the advice that you wish you would have received in the first couple years of your marriage. Go ahead, baby, first. You know, I... I thought about this and I, I was trying to remember what I, I had put down on the form (laughs) and I, uh, I honestly don't think I would have wanted any advice. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. I think what I've needed to learn, I've learned along the way through experience. Um, I think it would have just been to be flexible, you know, to, to be, um, to let my husband be my husband when he needs to be my husband. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm finding my own advice that it's good, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, um, you know, that I don't have to, um, control every situation Mm -hmm. and that I don't need to know what's going to happen at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been very much go with the flow and letting God guide us. And, and, um, I couldn't prepare for that other than just being flexible, Mm -hmm. um, and being willing, um, you know, to submit and let my husband lead. Mm -hmm. And so that's, Thank that's, you. I guess yes. that's a long roundabout. That's great. Yes. Like How that. about for you, Jake, dear <laughs> young married couple? You know, I was at this uh, men's retreat the other a couple months ago, and this uh, guy told me, he goes, um, wives are meant to make you holy, not happy. <laughs> that was some pretty good advice. Mm. Um, and so just understanding that, um, you know, uh, if you really want a great relationship with your wife, don't try to change her. Don't try to change people. In fact, don't even try to change anybody around you. And there's a wonderful thing called the serenity prayer. And it's mm-hmm. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's beautiful. So, I love that that's, one. That's, that's a recovery um, mm-hmm. prayer. And so um, I would say practice that one and and, and uh, stay away from pettiness, man. <laughs> that's some deep advice you right know, there. That, that's not just a recovery. Then we're all recovering because yeah. that could be a yeah. prayer that we all could be oh, praying. For to give sure. us the courage to change the things that that we can. Yeah. The wisdom mm-hmm. of the difference. I love love that prayer. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time yes, and, and all the work that you're doing to empower people that are going through hard stuff. Yeah. That's a ton of work. Yeah. A ton of work. Um, but boy, but you're passionate about it and we could tell yeah, that and makes all the difference. It's amazing to see the change. Just, you know, knowing the people that you've personally changed, yeah. you know, worked with, I should say, mm-hmm. they've done a lot of work too, but to see the people that you've worked with and it just, the light that they exude mm-hmm. now and knowing where they've come from is just spectacular. So it's beautiful. We love you guys and Thank we're you. so excited Thank to what you're doing. Aw, thanks Thank guys. You. Thank you. you guys are awesome. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.